If you're visiting with us, we are just as proud as a peacock to have you here. If you got one of those uh, packets that had one of those attendance cards in it, if you'll pass it toward the aisle at this time, have some gentlemen who will come through the aisles and, and grab those cards from you, we'd like to have a record of your attendance. Like I said, we are thankful to have you here with us. Stick around a little bit and we'll have an opportunity to meet you after services are over. Now I want everyone to look at me and shake your head this way. All right? Keep shaking. Okay? You ever wanted to hear a sermon about motivation? All right. Keep shaking. Are you coming back tonight to hear it? Keep shaking. Good. Now, just, we'll get that video footage and see who all shook. Come back tonight. There is a sermon entitled, A Sermon I Need to Hear. You may not need to hear it, but I do. And so we'll look at that idea of motivation this evening, this morning, we're going to wrap up the book of Joshua. I have the lucky straw for the lion's share of the book of Joshua. Uh, Michael covered most of that, and he was covering individual uh, passages. I have the opportunity today to cover 24 chapters. Sit back. It's not going to be that long. And the question comes up then about the book, and really out of all of the books, we should ask ourselves this question as we look at them in their entirety, individually and then collectively as they, as they fit together. What does it mean? Well, what is God trying to tell me through His written Word that I can know and understand and apply to my life? There is a very famous quote that we tend to change from time to time, and it was made in 1905, and the quote literally said this, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Now, uh, Churchill changed it a little bit and said those who uh, forget the past are doomed to repeat it, but the idea is the same. And really, that idea comes from uh, Romans chapter 15 and verse 4, where Paul, by the inspiration of God, would write, For whatsoever things are written aforetime are written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scripture might have hope. You know what God is reminding me in, in, in Romans chapter 15 and verse number 4? That not only should I read His Word, that I should learn those lessons, that I should apply those things to my life, that, that the mistakes I have made in the past would, would go their own way and that, that I can be a more productive person in the kingdom if I understand how people kind of have always been. If I can understand how people tend to be, and then look at myself and say, I don't want to be there. I don't want to have those tendencies. I want to make sure I'm following God's Word in this way. So um, repeat those same mistakes. Well, as we look in the book of Joshua, we're going to ask, our question, or ask ourselves this question. What have I learned? Joshua is the first book of history 
found in the Old Testament. You say, that's not true, preacher, because you can look at Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy and see history. That's true. Joshua is the first book in a section of book called History in the Old Testament. Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles. All of those deal with the history of the Jewish nation. They all deal with the history of those chosen ones by whom the Redeemer will come. This history from Joshua forward is pointing us as students ever closer to the cross. As a matter of fact, Within the books of Joshua, Judges, and those books, what will happen will be uh, more glimpses into the cross or into what will become the cross and more glimpses into how God will save us from that cross. And so it is a great uh, book for us to look at and understand. Joshua is the history of the promised land. You remember those three um, those three promises given to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, a big family, a great name, and a, uh, or rather a big family, a big land, and all the nations of the world through this family are going to be blessed. Did they ever get a big family? What you talking about? Did you know a majority of the, the people on the world to end the world today and the majority of the religions that are broken from God's religion, whether that be Old Testament or New, can trace their lineage back to Abraham. Back to Abraham. I don't know how true this is. You'll have to just use your own um, estimation on it. But the Internet will tell you. I know that uh, the religion of the Muslims is the fastest-growing religion on earth. You know, they, they draw their, uh, their, their ideology and their, their uh, timeline back to Abraham. It was Ishmael. So as we look at uh, Joshua, when we look at Genesis chapter 12, we see so many things coming together. But what happens in the book of Joshua really should have happened 40 years earlier. What we have 40 years earlier is Numbers chapter 13 and 14. We can't go into the land. We can't take it. They're too big. They're too strong. They're too powerful. Wrong. This nation or this group of people will have to be, I hate to say exterminated, will we'll go the way of the world and God will bring up the next generation and that generation will go in. They should have been there 40 years earlier. The only two left in that particular generation are Joshua and Caleb. Why? Because they're the only two out of the whole nation who said, we can go up and take it. Now, we look at them and say, well, they were the only two spies who said that. No, 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 listen to me. They were the only two. Everybody else said, you know, these ten are right. We can't do anything with those guys. They're too big, they're too strong, too powerful. Forty years ago should have been the timeline of the history of this promised land. In Joshua, we're going to see cause, effect, and result. Let's look at cause first. Cause is found in Joshua chapter number 
1, the whole chapter, the cause is God. The cause, cause will always be God through these 24 chapters. Anything that happens and that's going to be pleasant for Israel or anything that happens that's going to not be pleasant for Israel is going to be caused by God. God assures the leader, Joshua, that his people will stay with, or he will be with these people as long as they stay with him. Chapter 1 is the key to the entire book. Let's read for a moment. Chapter 1. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Stop. Stop. Stop for just a moment. Don't overlook this short little phrase, Moses' minister. Joshua has been around God, his promises, and Moses for a long, long time. He has seen these things that God has promised come to pass or not come to pass based on how the people act for a long time. I'm going to make a statement here that you don't have to agree with, but it's all right. God has been grooming Joshua for this job. You know what? Moses lives in a physical body like you and I live. And if one day you live to be as old as I am, what you'll find out is sometimes things hurt even when you wake up. Is that anybody else? Anybody else just wake up and go, oh, I was just asleep. What happened? When You know you are officially old when... Things hurt while you sleep. Joshua's been groomed for this job because Moses in that physical body is not going to stay around forever. They're going to have to have someone else. And when the nation of Israel 40 years ago rejected going into the promised land, God said, you better get them ready. Joshua, you're on deck. And the keys found here in Chapter number 1, verse number 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. This is God speaking. Now, therefore, arise, go over Jordan, thou and all this people under the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I have given unto you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and the Lebanon, even to the great river and the river Euphrates and all the land of the Hittites and of the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, all shall be your coast. There shall not be any man able to stand before thee in the days as thy life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. And he goes on to say, be a strong, uh, be of uh, good courage and be strong. For unto this people thou shalt divide an inheritance of the land, which I swear unto the fathers gave them. Only be thou strong and very courageous. Do according to all the law. Have I not commanded thee, verse number 9, be strong and of good courage? Neither be afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Do you hear the key to the entire book? Joshua, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be there. You don't have to be lonely. 
even though there are going to be times in which he finds himself all alone, even though the whole nation's around him. You don't have to be afraid, even though there are going to be battles that he looks at and goes, this plan's never going to work. You don't have to be scared. Did you hear the the phrase in Joshua chapter 1 and verse number 5? Look back at it. I will be with thee, I will not fail thee, nor will I forsake thee. Church, do you believe the Bible? All right, shake or nod. You believe Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 5? I will not forsake thee. I will not leave thee nor forsake thee. That sound familiar? Uh-huh. But we walk around scared to do what he says and walk around alone. God said, I'm going to be with you if... That's a big word, isn't it? See how big that is on that screen? You know why it's written that, that large? Because even though it's just a small little word that really easy to spell and easy to say, that's a big word. If you stay where you're supposed to, then I'm going to be with you. I'm going to see you through these things. I'm going to be your rock. I'm going to be the one you can lean on. I'm going to be your foundation. But if you move, then you're going to move off of those things. You want to know the key to the book of Joshua? It's found in chapter number 1. I'm going to be with you if... To make mention of the key of the book of Joshua by saying only that I will be with you without saying the word if is to tell a lie. God's presence, ability, miraculous power, his, uh, his provision for Israel is conditional. I'm going to be with you if you stay with me. Israel, you know what he's saying? All right, pay attention. You can't go off and act like a bunch of heathens and God say, I'm okay with it. Let's see what happens. This is the cause of the entire book. God says, if anything good happens, if anything not so good happens, Israel, it's going to be because of me. Here's your effect. Chapter 2, Joshua sends spies into the land. They just came out scot-free. Nothing happened to them, did they? Oh, something happened to them. Question, that make it back home? All right. Chapter 3. You have a flooded river. I used to think this one was not as big on the scale of miraculous things. When I looked at it versus the nation of Israel crossing over the Red Sea. This is a river at flood stage. This is a river that God has to stop for about 3 million people to go across some 15 miles back. 
and it begins to pile up and wait for them to go, and then it goes. You figure that out just for a minute. Did they make it through there? Shake or nod. Okay. What about chapter 4? We're going to set up a memorial. I want you to bring 12 smooth stones that have never been chiseled by any type of tool. I want you to bring it out here at Gilgal. I want you to make this, this uh, altar, and I want you to set it up as a memorial for what I have done for you. Did they do that? Shake or nod. All right. Chapter 5. The end of chapter 5 is interesting as Joshua comes out of his tent. And he's, he's walking around there. He, he runs into this one. That is the captain of the host of the army of God. And Joshua sort of sheepishly says, Are you for us or against us? Y'all know that one? Are you going to fight with us or are you going to fight against us? And the captain of the host of the army of God said, I'm going to fight with you as long as you fight with God. Did he fight with them? Shake or nod. What about chapter 6? Jericho ain't supposed to fall just because people walk around the outside of it. But did it? Shake or nod. What about chapter 7? There's sin in the camp, which is completely different from the first six chapters because now we've got a problem. And in chapter number 7, what we find there is God solving the problem. This is what I told him not to take. This is what he did take. This is how we're going we're gonna to take care of that, and we're going to make sure all of the, the nation of Israel sees and understands that I'm serious. Now, did that happen? Shake or not? What about chapter 8? We're going to go marching through the, the nation of Israel, or the, uh, the promised land, and we're going to start taking city after city after city after city. Now, did they do that? Shake or not? What about chapter number 9? Chapter number 9, they have a group of men come to them from a neighboring nation. But they, they come and they're wearing old shoes and old clothes. And they brought with them old uh, bread and some, and some old uh, wine. And they said, you can see we come from a long way off. Look how we're dressed. Look at all our, our moldy food. What we want to make with you is a, is a pact that you won't kill us and that we'll work for you. And before Joshua even checked this out with God, he said, okay. And when he said, okay, he's done. God said, you know what? You're going to keep that promise to the demise of Israel. And did that happen? Check or not. Chapter 10, there are five kings that were defeated. Did that happen? It didn't happen because of Joshua. It didn't happen because of the, Israel, the, the army of Israel. It happened because of God. What about chapter 11? The rest of the land was taken, and the last couple of verses of chapter 11, what you'll find is that everything God promised to give the nation of Israel through Abraham, he gave it to them. Now, did that happen or not? You want to see the effect from the cause? There it is. God said, if you'll stick with me, I will bless you. Unfortunately, there's a chapter number 24. We already did all that. Unfortunately, there's chapter number 24. And here's the unfortunate issue. Everything went so well for Israel, so easy for Israel, with the exception of AI and uh, the battles that happened during the time that 
the sin in the camp was being dealt with. That, that Israel seemed like there were no problems and that they were going to skate through life. Israel brought a problem out of Egypt with them. We're going to see that problem in chapter 24. As a matter of fact, I'm going to make my way over there too. We're going to see that problem in chapter 24 rear its head. And let's fast forward just a moment. And let me tell you this. Israel as a people, even today, Israel as a people even today don't have a problem with worshiping little, little small idols and gods. But right here in Joshua chapter 24, we're in the midst of them doing just that. They brought that out of Egypt with them. And that influence, you remember in Exodus chapter 32 where, oh look, we just made us a golden calf. It just popped out of the, of the fire. Mm-hmm. Remember what, uh, what uh, what's his name? Aaron said, this, this is the God that brought you. How is that the God that brought them out when it didn't exist five minutes ago? Through Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, all through that, Israel is going to be eaten up with idolatrous worship. It's not till they get back from Babylon from captivity to where they're going to realize they not not be worshiping those little big gods. Now do they have problems today? Absolutely. But I can tell you this, idolatry ain't one of them. As I said, we're we're going to get rid of that. Right now we're looking in Joshua 24 at the mindset of the Jewish nation and this problem known as idolatry. Take a moment, even though we haven't looked at only but about 11 chapters in this 24-chapter book, take a moment and reflect back. Remember as we went through that laundry list from chapter 2 to chapter 11, and as we looked at chapter 1 where God said, I'm going to be with you, and, and here's how I'm going to be with you, and the blessings that would flow from that. You remember, just, you, we just did that. Y'all remember that? All right. Now, they're asked a question. You're going to have to choose. The results of the cause of God blessing them and the results of what they can see of those effects of, of Jericho falling and of all these other nations falling and of uh, the spies getting out of the land and, and of the flooded river backing up the result of that is this i want to worship idols what a dumb result what a foolhardy result for them to think god has taken care of this and this and this and this, so now I'm going to go worship idols. What a foolish thought that is. But wait just a moment. 
Don't get too hard on Israel too quickly. I have a friend that I graduated from the Memphis School of Preaching with who has been around the world and he is from nowhere, Georgia. And he went to Memphis and then he went to Johnsonville, Kentucky, I think it is. And then he went to Australia and then he went to Singapore and then he went to Alaska and now he is in Arizona of all places. But on one of his first trips over into China, he was very thoughtful to me and Miss Brandy. And he brought a little, you know what a foo dog is? It, it looks like a dog, but it it's, looks like a lion too. It's a, it's a, a very Chinese, you, if you've ever been to a, a Chinese buffet and they have these two little animals that are kind of sitting out in, on posts out beside there that you've seen them, you just didn't know what they were called. And I have one at the house, it's about this big. It's gold. It's not really gold. It's gold colored. I have never in my life taken that little thing. I've probably never even moved it from the shelf on which it sits. But I've never taken it out of that little cabinet and put it down on a, on a table and bowed myself to it. It's an interesting piece of art given to me by a friend, and it sits on a shelf with other trinkets from around the world. But we're not dealing with a statue in and of itself. We're dealing with idolatry, which church can be a whole lot of other things other than just that little statue. We look at Israel and we say, I can't believe Israel would do this or would do that. I wouldn't sell God out for anything except maybe for family or maybe uh, a job or entertainment or sport or... I mean, other than that, I wouldn't sell him out for anything. Now, are you, look, you ready? Pay attention. You don't have to have a little statue to be idolatrous. You hear me? We don't have to have those little statues to be idolatrous. Anything, scratch that, everything put before God is idolatry, the end. We look at Israel sometimes and we see the hold that those statues have on them and we think, we are so, we are so much better than Israel ever was. Friends, if we look at ourselves realistically, and honestly, what we find out is people are the same. No matter what time, 
geographically, no matter where they are, we're all the same. And we have to fight putting things above God. We have to fight God having the priority he's supposed to have so that we don't fall into the same category that they fell into. Now look at verse number 14. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. Stop right there. There's a statement being made here by Joshua that Israel and the church in general is going to have to get or they're not going to have acceptable worship. Notice what he says. Worship the Lord. We're going to. We're going to do exactly what he says. Wait a second. All of that is great and all of that is uh, exactly where it's supposed to be. But there is a, a motivation here. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve you the Lord. Why would he tell them to put away those gods? Because they have made come back. Because they were right there. And notice verse 15. If it seem evil unto you this day to serve the Lord, then choose. Figure out who you're going to serve. And you're going to have to pick between the gods of your father's which are on this side of the flood, or you're going to have to choose between God Himself. Now, notice what Joshua says in such few words as, that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The rest of you three million people may decide that I'm going to follow after Baal, I'm going to follow after Ashtaroth. I'm going to follow after whichever God you want to put right in there. All the rest of y'all may go that way, and that's your choice. But as for the family of, of Joshua, we are going to follow the Lord no matter what it takes. If that breaks us away from our kinship as a nation, then that's what it's going to take. If that breaks me away from my family as a, just as a support group, then that's what it's going to take. If that's going to break me away from everyone on this earth, that's fine as long as I have the opportunity to serve God because there is an end coming. And Joshua knew that. And Joshua understood that. And choices seem to be very easy until we realize that there is an end coming. Oh, I'm going to go ahead and do this today. Well, wait a second. There's an end coming. I'm, I'm going to do that after I go and take care of my responsibilities at church. Yeah, see, now, now we're making the right decisions. Because Joshua chose with the end in mind. He chose properly. You're going to choose little G-gods who are all around you all the time? Who require and pull so much from you through your life? 
or are you going to choose the big G God who gives love, who gives salvation, who ultimately gives you being faithful to Him, a home with Him in His place? Jesus would say, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. John chapter 14, verse number 3. You know the cause, even in your life. You've seen the results, even in your life. Or the, the, the effect in your life. Here, here's the result. You're going to choose God, or you're going to choose everything else. And you don't have to choose one thing else. You can choose everything else. But you can't choose anything else and choose God. So you're going to have to pick. Everything here or everything eternally. How do I choose that, preacher? Well, it's pretty simple. If you've never put on Christ in baptism, this is the perfect time. The water's warm. All of those uh, needs are taken care of. In a moment, we're going to sing a song for your encouragement. All you need to do is understand that God's Word is true and believe that. Repent of your sin, Luke 13, 3 and 5. Confess that Jesus is the Christ, Matthew chapter 10, verse 32, and be baptized in water. For the remission of your sins, Acts 2.38, being raised to walk in a newness of life, Romans 6, 1 through 4. And you can be added to the family of God today. You can be secure about where you are headed eternally as you head out this door today. Before most of us in this room, we fall into the category of Israel. That is, we have already put on Christ. And we're already in a covenant, but sometimes we don't pick right. Sometimes we choose the wrong thing. Brother or sister, choose to come home to a family that loves you. Choose to come home to a God that misses you. Choose to do that now while we stand and while we sing. There's a fountain.